thing. Well, I'm going to tell you a story about a young man named Paul. So Paul was the guy that I met uh, in my church when I had first become a Christian. And, uh, and uh, his, his, uh, his pastor asked me, my pastor, I should say, asked me if I would sit with Paul because Paul attended his church back in Ontario. And uh, Paul's story, my pastor told me, Paul was, uh, you know, in his youth group in Ontario, and then he uh, kind of went astray in his, in his older uh, youth years, his uh, teen years, and uh, he ended up in prison. And he is just getting out of prison, and now he was a young adult, and uh, my pastor asked me if I would sit with Paul in the service, because he had come to live with Pastor Hazard and his family for the next few weeks. I said, sure, because... Uh, truthfully, I had zero judgment in my heart toward Paul because I, I had been saved by Jesus Christ and transformed by the power of his love. And so to sit with Paul, there was just an absolute love and, and yeah, I'd love to get to know him a little bit better. Paul didn't know anything about me. I didn't know anything really about him. We kind of looked the same. I had long hair back then. He had long hair. And, uh, you know, we didn't have girlfriends because we hadn't quite come up to the place of worthiness to handle a woman yet. And um, so, but, but as, as we were in the service worshiping, you have to understand, you, you guys know I'm a pretty passionate worshiper, but back then I was even crazier. I, I just, I had come into a relationship with God that had transformed my life. And, and I, I didn't care, I didn't, I just longed to worship him, to honor him, to, to be with him. And so in the worship service, I was just fully engaged with God, and Paul is sitting there right next to me. As the pastor preached, I amened him, and I, I listened, and I wept because the sermon touched my heart. I got up at the end of the service and went to the altar. At that time, we would have a lot of altar calls, and uh, I went up just to kind of engage in that moment. You know, when you hear a sermon, something's happening in your heart, you need to kind of solidify that. So I went to the altar, and I was, again, just praising God and saying, Lord, finish this work that you've started in me today. And the next thing I knew, Paul was standing right next to me. Paul who didn't know the Lord, Paul who didn't have a relationship with God, but Paul who saw something in my life, and I had done nothing. Guys, understand, I didn't know any theology, I didn't know how to explain to people what was happening. All I knew was that God loved me, God had accepted me, and God had changed me. Paul asked me a very simple question that day. He said... Tell me about your relationship with God. And so right there at that altar, that's what I did. And again, I couldn't use fancy words. I, I, I thought the book of Job was Job. I, I, you know, I thought I was really smart one day when I quoted Job and everyone around me laughed. That's what happens when you're new in the church. You don't know things and then people let you know because they're not quite fully mature in Christ yet either. And uh, <laughs> so me and Job, anyway... It was cool to be able to pray with Paul, to pray with Paul with the simplest prayer of just God come into Paul's life and see him changed. You see, you and I have a story to share. It's not based on our theological understanding of things. It's based on our experience of the kingdom of God and the God of the, of the kingdom. Listen to what 1 Peter 3.15 says, but in your hearts revere Christ as Lord Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Do this with gentleness and respect. 
We live in a world today, church, full of Pauls, full of people who need hope. I can't even fathom trying to navigate what's going on in the world today without a relationship with God. And so you are the agents of hope. And it's not a hope that says, I hope I get a red wagon for Christmas, though that would be fun to have a red wagon, uh, because you may or may not get that red wagon. But it's a hope that is sure. It's a hope that cannot be taken from you. It's a hope that is as real as God himself. And this is why he is commissioning you and calling you to live as a hope-filled community and share that grace of God that has come to you. We have a hope of salvation, amen? Uh, what a hope that is. Deliverance from death and destruction is a hope of acceptance by God. We have a hope of relationship throughout the entire journey of our lives, and that's the hope of significance. We have the hope of eternity, which is called the blessed hope of the church, and that's a hope of security, that one day all of this will come to an end, but your story is not coming to an end. Amen? Amen. And that's a good thing. Well, let's pray. We're going to look at, at those three hopes today. And I just pray you stay with me because this is a message for you to take from this place to those in the world around you. Father God, thank you for this incredible group of people whom you love, whom you died for, whom you laid down your life for, God. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you give us the power to hear your voice today, eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts to receive and respond to you. Lord, you are amazing. And the gospel that we are part of, the story that we are part of is amazing. Help us today, Lord, we pray. Amen. And amen. And amen. And amen. So listen, how cool is our church? I know. You guys are like awesome, and uh, I just want you to know something, and this is before I start my message. Um, you know there are people that are watching us all over the world? Isn't that kind of freaky? Doesn't that make you want to change yourself a little bit more? Like, I mean, and we have three people here today who traveled here because they were watching us online from Winnipeg. So I'm just going to say, Sedina, Colette, and Christopher, where are you guys? Stand up and wave at everybody because you're like rock stars. You came all the way. There they are. Isn't that amazing? Somebody watched us from, Winnipeg, from uh, Manitoba and said, man, we're going to go to that church. And uh, they did because they really wanted to meet Betty. And it's awesome. <laughs> I didn't take that personally, but it's okay. I... She is really the better half of me, amen and amen. So hallelujah. But they wanted to meet you too because this church is awesome and it's influencing people in other parts of our nation, which is an incredible thing. So let's say that the very first hope, the hope of the believer, number one, is the hope of salvation. Do you realize the hope that you have? Let me read this scripture. For here is the way God loved the world. He gave his only unique son as a gift so now everyone who believes in him will never perish but experience everlasting life. God did not send his son into the world to judge and condemn the world, but to be its savior and to rescue it. Amen? Church, listen to me. You have the hope of salvation. This is the first hope that you have. 
It's the hope that has come into your life, the invasion of God into your life to bring you salvation. And salvation is not a small word, you guys. It means to save, deliver, protect, heal, preserve, to do well by, and to make whole. How many of you know that is a big thing? To have the hope of wholeness, the hope of salvation, that God is doing well by you. God is doing well by your families. God is doing well in your life. This is the hope that you have entered into. It's your story. It's my story. What a hope that we have. Jesus Christ came to seek and to save that which was lost. He's entering into our story, and for some of us, that story is broken and messy, and he gives us a brighter and a better future. And really, the first thing that you need to understand the hope of salvation is God accepts you right where you're at. Right where you're at. He doesn't say, when you climb up to this level, I will then take you. He doesn't say, man, if you clean some things up, you know, I would come in and change your life. No, no, no. He says, I come into your life right where you're at, and I come, and I'm born into your life and that is salvation. Amen? How many of you know Jesus Christ was born in a stable? There's stuff in stables, guys. It's not the cleanest, most, uh, you know, sanctified place to be born. And yet Christ is born in the mess of a stable. But how many of you know he's born into your life in the mess of your life? That's what it means to have Christ and to have salvation. You know, God accepts us right where we're at. And I'm going to tell you, we just don't comprehend how much love God actually has for us. Just listen to the scripture. It's not going to come up on your screen, but listen. I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all God's holy people to grasp how wide and high and long and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Hallelujah. Church, listen. God so loved you that he entered into your story. He entered into the disordered mess of your life. And he says, it's okay. I accept you right where you're at. And I'm going to take you and I'm going to begin to change you and transform you through the power of my love. Now, guys, I'm going to tell you, I, I, for me as a person... There's been many times when I'm following God and I stumble and I think, well, God, you must be done with me now. And, and you know what? He shows up and you know what he does? He just gives me more love. He just reminds me that you're my son. I love you. You know, and when I, and I keep going, I say, okay, God, this time I'm not going to blow it. And you know what happens? Greg Fraser keeps walking. You know what happens? He blows it again. And he does it again. And he does it again. And every single time, listen to me, I've never come to the end of God's love. And neither will you. You know, there's a story in the, a, a scripture in the book of Psalms. It says this. Though your father and mother forsake you, I will never forsake you. Now, I was praying, and this is what you do when you're meditating on scripture. You can just ask the Lord, like, Lord, what does that really mean? What do you mean by that, God? And I remember the Lord gave me a picture. I've shared it with you before, but it's so powerful. I saw this young man. What does it mean to forsake, Father? And what does it mean that you won't do that? And so I saw this young man. He had a baseball cap on, and he was handcuffed. The RCMP handcuffed him. 
handcuffed him, and, uh, and they were bringing him to his, the door. And I know they don't normally do this, but I'm just saying in my vision it happened. And, and uh, they knock on the door. And the parents open the door. I'm watching this vision. And, you know, the RCMP says, we've caught your son again. You know, he, he's, he's done it again. We're just bringing him back to show, you know, to bring him home to you because he's minor, whatever. I, you know, I don't know the whole story, but it doesn't matter. But here's the cool moment. The young man looks up. He's handcuffed. He looks up. And he sees his parents, but his parents aren't looking at him. They're looking at the police officers, and they say, we have no son, and they shut the door. That is forsaking. Your beautiful children just did an incredible job here today. Can you imagine them being so bad that you would forsake them? You think, no way. But that's the reality of what God was saying. Though your father and mother might forsake you, I will never forsake you. Guys, how deep is the love of God? How great is the salvation that you have received? How great is the hope that you have in Christ? Hallelujah. What a story. What a story. You know, this is the story, you beautiful ones, that God has picked you and that's what happened to Paul that morning at that church service. And that's what happened to me. You know, when, when God chose me, I didn't pick God. God picked me. And I, I had no business. You know, guys, I'm going to tell you, I didn't even think about God. I, I didn't, he wasn't in my vision. He wasn't in my radar. I didn't care about God, and I didn't care about what God cared about. And then suddenly, I, I'm at this service, and, and when I became a Christian, it was like, oh my gosh, God, you chose me. God, you picked me. Out of all the people, God, you picked me. And that transforming love of God, you know, God came in. He chose my life when I was broken and I was lost. And when I became a Christian, I'm going to tell you the most ridiculous, arrogant thing I ever did. I actually thought God was kind of lucky to have me because I wasn't that much of a sinner. And, uh, you know, other sinners, they were really sinners, but I was like a good sinner. And how uh, I many of you know that's a foolish prayer to ask God? Like, aren't you lucky to have me, God? I'm not that bad of a sinner. How many of God will then show you how bad of a sinner you actually are? And then you realize, man, I am the worst of sinners, the chieftain of sinners, God. I'm the worst of them. Oh, God, help me. You know, the beautiful thing about salvation is God chooses us in spite of us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the message and the hope that I have in Christ Jesus. How many of you know there's people that need to hear that from you? That's not theological, that's just a reality that you have experienced in Christ, a salvation that's beautiful. Well, how about the hope of relationship throughout life's journey, the second thought of hope that you have to share with this world? Listen to what it says, I thank God, my God, every time I remember you and all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from now, the first day until now, being confident of this that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. You know, God not only saves us, he says, I'm going to be with you throughout the entire journey of salvation. Because salvation is not just a one-time journey. Greg Fraser is being saved every day. 
Greg Fraser is being redeemed every day. Greg Fraser is being transformed every day. Amen? That's the same thing with you. You know, just as I am without one plea, except that thy blood was shed for me. Lord, I come. I come, even though I have no reason to come. God, I have no power in myself to deserve or own this. God, you, you come to me and you save me. You know, I, and, and this is the beautiful story of hope that you have, church. God not only chose you, but he's going to be with you through the entire journey. Right through to completion. That's one of my wife's favorite scriptures, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Church, this is beautiful. You are God's project. <laughs> God is not your project. You don't have to like, oh, I'm going to help God. I'm going to figure God out. I'm gonna... You just come just as you are. And you say, God, here I am. You chose me. I don't know what you were thinking, but you did it. And so if you've got some more work to do in me, keep going. And he's like, yes, we got more work to do. Amen? And that's the thing. Through all the trials and triumphs of life, you know, Greg Fraser, from broken self-centeredness now is becoming more other-centered and God-centered. That's a work of the Holy Spirit. You know, I love John the Baptist. John the Baptist is the forerunner in the New Testament. He comes to declare the coming of Jesus Christ and he preaches a message of repentance. Remember? John, he's the camel, you know, he wears camel skin. He, he eats locusts and honey. Like, I mean, this guy's the real deal. He's not, never had a haircut his whole life. Like, can you imagine seeing this guy preaching? Repent for that kingdom of God is at hand. You know, locusts hanging out of his mouth. This guy's serious business, you know what I'm saying? Like, right then and there, he's got my respect. He eats bugs. Okay, this guy's got something to say or not. I'm not sure, but... You know, and then one day he gets all passionate, all fired up, and he starts talking about the one who's coming after him. And he says, I'm, you know, I'm not the Christ. I'm not the one, the one who comes after me, whose sandals I'm not even worthy to untie. He comes after me. You think my message is tough? I'm sprinkling a little bit of water on you for repentance. He's going to preach about the power of the fire of the Holy Spirit, a baptism of fire and a baptism of the Holy Spirit. He's coming to preach now. And everybody's like, oh my gosh. And Jesus comes and guess what he does? He loves people. <laughs> he loves sinners. He loves prostitutes, and he loves tax collectors, and he loves lepers, and he loves the marginalized and the broken, and he, and he, and he, loves, he loves people. He just has this love. It's so pathetic, according to John. <laughs> John actually sends Jesus a message and says, are you the one that is to come, or should we expect someone else? Because we just can't comprehend that the message of the love of God is really the message of his Messiah, the message of his Savior. And yet that's what God did in sending the love of God. You know, one of the things I think we're very bad at as Christians is we think every problem and everything we go through in our life is God chastising us. We think that, you know, oh, I'm going through this sickness, I'm going through this trial, I'm going through this thing. And that's the fire of God. That's, the, you know, God just, you know, he, I knew it was too good to be true. But I'm going to tell you, you know, that's just not true. How many of you know Jesus said in this life you're going to have trouble? 
but take heart, I've overcome. You know, we think that, you know, we go through the loss of a loved one, and if you've ever been there, you know what I'm talking about. You lose a parent, you lose a, you know, a sibling, maybe you even, God forbid, lose a child, or you lose a job, or you lose a pet. It, all these things, you know, that, that the, the loss, loss, loss. And we all, you know, our first thought sometimes is to go, God, why are you doing this? Why are you challenging me? Why are you punishing me for this, God? Why am I going through this? You ever had that conversation with God? Why do bad things happen to good people? Why is this going on? If you're such a good God, why is this going on? And have you ever had those angry moments with God? Have you ever had those times with God? Like, I'm th this is ridiculous. I don't know if I want to serve you anymore. And you know what the thing about God is this? He never leaves you. He just sits there and listens to you and consoles you while you emote on him, while you threaten him, while you declare your defiance against him. Ever been there? And at the end of it, all that's left is you, and you find out God never left you in the whole time. He just waited for you to go through your tantrum. And he never forsook you. What a God. What a salvation. Hallelujah. You know, have you ever had a prodigal moment in your life? Have you ever, you like, you decided maybe you were serving, you know, God, and you just turned your back on him, and you ran the other way, and you went back into the things of the world thinking, this is what's going to satisfy me, only to find out that's the thing that very much destroyed you in the first place, and then you're getting more and more broken by that till you come to your senses, and you turn back, and you go back to your father's house, and you say, make me a slave. I'm no longer to be worthy to be called a son, but at least I can be a slave. At least I can have three square meals, and, and you'll care for me but guess what when you come toward the house when you come toward the father you don't see one who's going oh you're so pathetic i can't you're coming back are you now i told you you would yeah yeah no no you see a father who's undignified hikes up his robe and begins to run toward you embraces you kisses you holds you puts a ring on your finger and says you're my son you're part of the family puts sandals on your feet puts a new robe of righteousness upon you and he says i'm never going to leave you i'm never going to forsake you my son who is dead is now alive again hallelujah what a hope that we have in christ he never leaves us or forsakes us what a hope you have to share with people in this world He's not waiting for you to be perfected, but he's waiting for you to trust him that he is in the process of perfecting you. This is the gospel, the good news. You know, I love it. Hallelujah. Jesus said, as I told you earlier, you know, I've told you those things that you know that you're going to have trouble in this life, but take heart, I've overcome this world. I've overcome for you. And that word overcome is the word nakeo, which is where we get the word Nike from. You know, Nike runners, Nike clothing. And it means to push through or to prevail or to gain the victory. And so Jesus said, I have Nike, Nikeo'd you. I have Nikeo'd this world. I have gained the victory. I have pushed through. You can keep going. I'm with you. Now, the, that, that's pretty cool. That's amazing. But you know, the Bible actually says, now you are more than conquerors. That's hyper Nikeo. That means because Christ was the conqueror and you come to Christ and now he partners with you in this life, the hope that you have is hyper Nikeo, which means that you are more than a conqueror because everything I have, I've given to you. And now you are an overcomer in my presence and in my midst. I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. This is the hope of the church on a, our entire lives' journeys. 
You know, I can't imagine the challenges and things that people have gone through, as we've said, in the past few years. How could they live without Christ? I don't know. But you get to tell them there's a new hope, a new way to live. Amen? Stop thinking that God is chastising you every part of your life. Just listen. Life chastises you. <laughs> Just the things that happen in this life constantly po point us to our need of God. They constantly reveal to us how weak we are without God. I, I, as I mature, you know, as I mature as a believer, I'm not becoming stronger, I'm becoming weaker. I'm becoming more dependent on God. I move to Him more quickly than I ever used to. Because that's the message of hope that we have for this world. A hope of salvation. A hope of relationship and presence throughout all the journey of life. And the last thing is this. In your message of hope to this world, church, you have a hope of eternity. Listen to Titus 2, 11 to 15. For the grace of God appeared to me that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is God, what is good. This is the blessed hope of the church, guys. This is the big hope. This is the big kahona. This is the one that you and I get to live for and say, you know what, I don't have to just live for this life. There's more than this life. There's more that goes on that I get to celebrate. Guys, listen to me. The greatest success of my wife and I, the greatest success of my wife and I is that our kids love the Lord. That's it. And you say, well, my kids aren't serving God. Listen, they're going to. Let's keep praying. Let's keep believing. Amen? Let's keep believing. That's the hope that we have. That's the hope that we have. You know, guys, it doesn't matter about material things. What matters is the hearts and souls and minds and lives of people coming into a relationship with an incredible God who loves them, is for them, and not against them. It's the hope that wipes every tear away. The hope of eternity. All that, listen to me. All that diminishes life here on earth is about to be banned in eternity for eternity. How great is the hope of eternity? Listen to what the Bible says. He says, look, God's dwelling place is now among people. This is Revelation 21. And he will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. That's a hope. Amen? My parents are in eternity now. What a hope I have in leading both of them to Christ. Hallelujah. What a hope we have when those who know the Lord go on before us. What a hope. We're, you know, we're going to see him again. What does this hope do for you and I? Hallelujah. How does this hope lead us to live in this life? Church, you have a hope. I was at my friend's funeral yesterday. Ben was my age. I went to school. He was one of my oldest friends. Uh, I haven't really known him for the last several years. Uh, but, you know, I grew up with this guy, grade one, kindergarten, grade one, all the way through to grade nine. And uh, Ben was this guy, incredible guy. He, he was, like, honestly, the most likely to succeed kind of guy. He, he never studied, and yet he had straight A's. He, he just, if he heard something, he never forgot it. He was the best athlete in our school. 
won every award you could win on athletics. He was really good looking. The girls thought he was Fonzie. He was so cool. And uh, you're like, how old are you? I know, I'm really old. But anyway, and uh, you know, Ben just was this kid that just had it all. And honestly, in his yearbook, I wrote most likely to succeed. And in grade 10, something happened to Ben. He went through a severe psychological challenge in his life and eventually got diagnosed with schizophrenia. And his whole life derailed and went in a different direction. Um, you know, things got back on track for him to the amount that they could. And uh, he, he lived his life as a good, a good uncle and a good brother to his family. But you know what? He never seemingly, you know, it was just a journey of, of pain for him. But now he has a different journey. You know, I said, I wrote in my Facebook post yesterday, I said, you know, Ben, I always said you're the most likely su to succeed, and now you've arrived first before any of us. You made it. The most important story, the most important message. Amen? He has hope in eternity. So what does that mean for your life and for my life? Well, we need to live lives of faith and love. Listen to Colossians 1, 3 to 6, beautiful scripture. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love you have for the saints, the faith and love that springs from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven. And that is all, what you've already heard about, the word of truth, the gospel that has come to you. Church, you live your lives in the light of a great hope, the blessed hope of the church. And I love what N.T. Wright says. Listen to this right here. The solid facts about the future hope of Christians are a powerful motivation for constant faith and costly love in the present. That's a great, incredible thing. Why can I have constant faith and costly love? You know, people are kind of blown away. I'm going to tell you, people are blown away when I talk about what this church has done in building this church. People are kind of blown away when they begin to understand the, 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 the ex unbelievable outlay that has happened just to build this church. We were at the fundraiser last night, my wife and I, for the Catholic church that burnt to the ground. And, you know, the unbelievable outlay of those people that built that church. And it was completely destroyed by fire. It was completely destroyed by an act of arson. And, and now they're rebuilding it. Well, how many of you know that is costly love and constant faith? in order to achieve that. And people say, you know what? This happened, but we're going to go forward and we're going to rebuild. We're going to do things. We're going to rebuild what God has done. You know, listen, church, all your love, all your serving, all your forgiving, all your giving, all your trusting through challenges, constant love, costly faith, constant love, costly faith. Why can you do that? Because you have hope. You have hope that goes beyond this place. It has to. Paul said, you know, if it's for this life that we're, we're to be envied, we're to be pitied more than all men. Why? Because we're living our lives for something that's bigger than us, that's beyond us, an eternal hope, a hope that is in Christ. This is what you have to share with the world. Listen to this scripture, Revelation 21. Come and I will show you the bride of Christ, the wife of the Lamb. That's you and I. 
And he carried me away in the spirit in a great high mountain. And he showed me the holy city, the Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. It shone with the glory of God, and its brilliance was like that of every precious jewel, like jasper and crystal. It had great high walls, and the names of the 12 tribes of Israel were inscribed on those walls. There were three gates on east, north, south, and west, and the names of the city was written on there, then the 12 foundations, and on those foundations were the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. Church, when you read weird scriptures like that, you can ask God, like, why is this such a weird scripture? What does this mean, God? You said the city of Jerusalem is coming down. God, you said that you're showing us the city of Jerusalem, but you're, then you said you're showing us the bride of the Lamb. You're showing us the church. What does that mean, God? I don't understand this. So as I was praying and asking the Lord about this church, listen to me, okay? As I was praying and asking the Lord about this, what happened was, and cool, why did you write the names of the apostles on those foundation stones? What is that about God? And as I, I was kind of in, the, you know, in that place of just meditating and praying, God began to give me a vision. And I'm going to tell you about that vision because it affects your life. And so in this vision, what I saw was I was in this beautiful, like, decorative meadow area. And in this meadow area, you know, where all these beautiful encrusted stones on the walls, and I can't even describe the beauty of what I was seeing, you guys. And, and as I'm looking at it, I'm like, wow, God, like, what is this all about? And I, guys, I'm going to tell you, I literally looked at a stone. It was this beautiful jewel. And as I looked at the stone, you know what happened? The stone began to speak to me of the story of how it got there. And what, it, what I'm telling you is this, the works of the saints, how you live your life now, here and now, all the actions, all your heart, all your things that you do, all the things that you serve, all the ways in which you give, all the ways in which you love is being recorded in eternity for eternity. And it is the building material by which God is building our eternal home. Everything that you and I do for God and with God in this life is being recorded in eternity for eternity. And, and I'm going to tell you, every, every act of kindness, every word you say that is based on the love of God, everything that you do in your life, God is literally embedding it into the new Jerusalem. And it's on display for all to see forever and forever and forever and forever. Do you guys get how awesome that is? This is your real hope. This is your eternal hope. Every costly sacrifice you've made is recorded every beautiful act of faith what kind of faith did it take to build this church people why are you raising your hands to an unseen god how weird are you because we see him with our spirits and we say he's worthy of praise and one day we're going to walk with him in eternity for eternity what a hope that we have. Costly love. Constant faith. Listen to what Paul said. For this reason I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed. For I know in whom I have believed and I am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. Church, whatever we do for the Lord is being committed to him. And it's going to be on display with him and for him. Isn't that amazing? 
Okay, doesn't that give you some hope for the things that you do and the sacrifices that you make and the love that you have in this world? Isn't that a good thing? Isn't that a hope that's worth sharing with other people? Amen? Which is the last thought. Share our hope with others. Hallelujah. This is what God has called you to do. Share your life. You have a living hope. The story of the faith that you have and you can share. You know, there's a story. The band's going to come back now. There's a story of uh, D.L. Moody, who was a great preacher in the 1800s. And uh, he got invited to go over to Europe to defend Christianity. So the universities of, uh, in Europe invited him over basically to try and fillet him, to challenge him, to say, what hope does Christianity have? What's the message? We want to debate if this is even relevant. And so he shows up to preach or to teach at this, have this debate. And this is what he does. When he arrives in Europe, he goes and he finds a prostitute that has been converted to Christianity, an alcoholic who was delivered from alcoholism, coming to Christ, and a business person who was de delivered from greed and, and really began to live his life for God. So when he had his opportunity to share and to defend Christianity, you know what he did? He had those three people get up and take his entire time to tell their story. That's what he did. That's all he said. Here's my defense of Christianity. Jesus, the loving King of Kings, saved this prostitute and delivered her from destruction. Jesus, the King of Kings, delivered this man from alcoholism and set him on a path straight. Jesus, the King of Kings, delivered this person by the love of God from being greedy and selfish and self-centered to being a lover of the kingdom of God and the things of God. That's my entire debate over, done, finished, story, done. I'm leaving. Amen? Listen, you beautiful ones, you have a story to share. You have a story that cannot be taken from you. You have a story of the love of God invading your life. You have a story of God staying with you through the whole journey until the process is complete. You have a story of during the difficult times of life and the things that life throws at you. You have a story that says, it, it's not over yet. God's with me in the midst of this. And all the stuff I'm going through is going to make sense one day. Just one glimpse of him in glory will all the toils of life repay. Hallelujah. That's your story. That's your story. That's your story. Share the hope that you have in Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. Woo! <laughs> so if you're here today and you're a believer, you're a follower of Jesus, I'm going to just pray a prayer for you first. And this prayer is this. You're going to ask God for courage and strength to share the hope that you have with others. Just to share your story. You don't have to look for it. You just have to pray and say, God, lead me to others that I might be able to share this story with them. If that is you here today, you're going to bow your head right now with me. Everybody's close their eyes. Everybody's ready to pray. Or you can just keep your eyes open, whatever you want. Just wave at me and say, Pastor Greg, I want to grow in sharing this story of hope. My hand goes up. Amen. I want to share that story better. I want to share the story with others. Because you know what? This hope, listen to me, church, you're never going to diminish the hope of God for your life. 
the minute you give it away, he just gives you more. He just gives you more. He just gives you more. Amen? So let's share that story. Lastly, if you're here this morning, several people made a commitment to Christ. If you are here today and you have never asked Jesus to come in and to enter into your story, to come into your life, you don't have to change anything. You don't have to fix anything. You just need to say, God, here I am with all my stuff, all the jerk junk in my life. Will you take me? Will you enter into my story? If that's you here today and you want to ask Jesus to come into your story and to make your story part of his story, raise your hand and wave at me right now and say, Pastor Greg, yes. Are there others that will join online if you're watching? If you're saying yes, I see your hand. Are there others that will join these and saying, I want Jesus to enter my story, that I might have a new story, a new hope, a new passion, a new power. Yes, I see your hand. Is there others that will join these several that have raised their hands and saying yes to God right now? Online, if you do that, make sure, yes, I see your hand. Yes. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing in the lives and hearts of people today. Hallelujah. Let us know online. There's a little button that says, I made a commitment to Christ today in my life. Let us know you've done that so that we can pray for you. Yes, I see your hands in the front there. Thank you, Jesus. Everybody that's ever prayed that prayer, ever invited Christ in, if you just raise your hand for the first time, God sees your hands. Hallelujah. We're going to all pray together. Ready for this? Say it out loud with me. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die for me. Help me to live with him and for him and to find hope in him and share that hope with others in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap. Hallelujah. <laughs> Woo. Now you're going to stand up and we're going to sing this song in closing. <laughs>